As we delve into life at the Lord's Ranch, we will learn more about the allegations that have been made throughout the years. Rape, broken bones, emotional torment. This interview has all that plus more. Let's meet Jamie Wells. The White House announced that President Trump had commuted the prison sentence of Ted Sewell, a former operator of a behavioral health company in Arkansas. When when Teddy choked me, I caught him and Sheila in the mall as well. Teddy had a way of talking down to us and being very disrespectful. They just tackled this dude. And, like, he hits his head on the concrete and, and, like, busted. He's bleeding a little bit. He's like, dude, like, why would they do that to me? And I was like, dude, I don't, like, I'm just, like, shell-shocked, you know? I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> so when I started telling him I knew about him and Sheila and he was sneaking around and all that, he comes around the car and pushes me up against a pole up under the car porch and chokes me. And when he does that, I kick him in his thing, and we're fighting at that point. Who was convicted on bribery and fraudulent charges in July of 2016. The White House said Trump's decision to commute Sewell's sentence was influenced by former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee and former U.S. Attorney Bud Cummins. And uh, he pretty much grabbed the kid out of the chair, uh, jumped on him, grabbed him out of the chair, knocked him to the floor and desks went everywhere. They ended up under the teacher's desk. And I heard, which was about like eight, 10 feet away. And I heard what I thought at the time was probably a pencil snap, but it turned out to be the kid's arm. I do know that it was made out to be the kid's fault. See, I had to, I had to write up a report also of what happened. But when they read my report, they asked me to change it. Charlie warned us not to talk to anybody about anything at the ranch and to say everything was good because Ricky would be taken back to his drug addicted mother and would probably die. I got called up to the office to be on a phone call with somebody. I I don't remember the guy's name. And they were asking us questions about it. Well, when I, they had a copy of my report about what happened there it wasn't my report it was a typewritten report not the handwritten one i had my it it had my signature on it yes they had copied my signature it was a photocopy the whole thing was a photocopy of it to talk to you on the phone finally Instead of like voice clips and all that crazy stuff on Messenger. Yeah, yeah. Sammy's got me hooked on those voice clips. I never used to use those things. And then she used it for everything. And now I'm like, this is kind of convenient. I, <laughs> I was laughing the other night. Um, my stepdaughters, one's 20 and one's 21. And they each have a kid. Well, they sent the kids over to his mom's house. And they decided, they asked me, they said, hey, can we come have a small party at your house? And I was like, well, I mean, I don't care. Just don't break anything. Mm -hmm. It ended up with about 12 or 13 other girls their age over here. And she was sending voice clips. And I was like, I got to go put my headphones on because I can't even hear myself think. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I know she'll always she'll be I'll be uh, I'll I'll be sending her all these voice clips where I'll and I say a curse word or something and she's like uh, I'm around my kids 
uh, maybe just text. And I'm like, oh, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> I have to be a little cognizant of how I talk whenever I use those things. But uh, Yeah. Uh, it's like I went in, into adult entertainment in 2017. And there's people that will still message my Facebook and send me stuff. And I'm like, no, message my Twitter. I know not to open my fa- you know, not to open my Twitter in public. <laughs> or when kids are around, you know, I'm like sitting here thinking you got something important to tell me on Facebook and I open it up and I'm like, wow, my kids can't get to my Twitter, but they can get to my Facebook. <laughs> so when you say adult entertainment, you're referring to just so I'm clear, what are you talking about? Um, blah, I went into porn. Pornography. Okay. That's what I thought you meant, yeah. but I, I didn't, I didn't know yeah. for sure. I didn't know if it was like a strip club or how that worked or. Huh, is there pretty good money yeah, in that? I, I just call it adult entertainment, you know. Yeah. Kind of keep it like PG in a way. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, I was nominated, matter of fact, year before last for two awards for AVN in California. No kidding. And um, yeah, it, it's crazy. It's been crazy. I think right now, I'm, I'm kind of like an open book with everything. Uh, okay. I talked, I did talk to my husband about it, um, like I was saying, other not. And it was like, you've never told me what happened in there. You just said, hey, this is where this lump on your arm came from and all that. It was like, right. yeah, I need to talk about it and get it out there because trauma bonding is a thing. It is. And I'm like, yeah. And they said, now call your therapist. And I have my therapist's cell phone number. It's yeah. just one of the things. And I called him, and it was in the middle of the night. I was like, are you okay? Are you dead? And I said, if I was dead, would you be talking to me on the phone right now? <laughs> okay. And I explained what was going on. He was like, I think it's a cool thing. He said, matter of fact, I was working in the prison in Newport when that place got raided. He was like, I know a lot about that place, and yeah, you need to do it. And I'm like, that's what I was thinking, but, you know, boss over here. He was like, I know. You was told to call me. He said, yeah, never call me. I said, I know I never call you because I never need you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I said that you were there a few years after me. Uh, Yeah. Well, I was there in uh, 04 and 05, I believe, was when I got there. Yeah, mine was 2001, 2002. Okay, yeah. So I was there a little bit after you. Was Tyree Davis there when you were there? Oh, yes. I had so many. I'm you want to know something funny? I hated that I guy. I was thinking the other night while we were talking, and when I said he was, you know, degrading the young girls and judging them by their breast size and stuff like that, I went in at 98 pounds and was like 200 and something by the time I got out within nine months because all Gee. the medication they had me on. Wow. And he was telling, you know, I was fucking around. I was like, hey, I want to be a table dancer, you know, because Jenna Jameson was my person. I'm not going to lie. I was in love with her. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a table dancer. Little as I know, people don't really dance on freaking tables. That's just in a movie. <laughs> and it was really? like telling me how bad I was and stuff like that. And I would never make it. And he knew girls like that and everything else. I said, it's kind of funny that I told him that. And then when I turned 21, I started shrieking. And now I'm nominated for these awards. I yeah. was like, what? Yeah, well, he wasn't even in the top 1,000 wide receivers in the NFL. So, And then his buddy, his, his buddy Stan Jackson played for the CFL, which I had to Google. I didn't know the Canadian Football League existed. 
Anytime I tell anybody, I didn't, this I didn't guy. either because I was like, <laughs> I've heard of XFL for wrestling. I've heard right, of right. NFL. Yeah, I know. I, I told my friends, I'm like, yeah, and then this guy was in the CFL. I'm like, what's well, the CFL? I'm like, that's what everybody says as soon as I see it. I had to Google yeah. it too. It's the Canadian Football League. Apparently, they play it. And I'm pretty sure the WNBA is more popular than the CFL. And the yeah, NFL oh, is more popular crazy. in Canada than the CFL is in Canada, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> when I seen that, I was like, what is that? And then I, I like, showed my husband and picture of Tyree. He said, who the fuck is that? And I read off who played for He said, that's funny. He said, I don't even know who that is. So we was looking at that and everything. because yep, I was too. So we're like, let's just see, you know, what's going on here. And he was like, that's sad. That is sad that he is more known for abusing kids than he is for his football career. Oh, my God. I think he was a legitimate sociopath. I, I think he was. The stuff that he would his, do. And, oh, my God. His ego. And was, the, he was the first staff member to put his hands on me. So when I first realized that they would hit kids there and uh, attack them, I was at uh, the Joshua house. That's the first house I was in. I wasn't over there for very long before they moved me to the Prince house. But while I was at the Joshua house, uh, that guy who's running for the Randolph County judge, uh, Randy Barber, he was working. And he, he seemed so nice. Like He seemed like the most friendly staff member I had met so far. And I was like, okay, you know, this, this, this guy's pretty nice. And anyways, there's this new kid there. Seems really timid. He's 12 years old. A uh, redheaded kid, and you and I, I definitely know he was new because he still had long hair. He hadn't shaved his head yet, and yeah. uh, the, uh, he didn't make his bed right, and and he wasn't arguing or anything. He just inspected the bed and got pissed at him and starts beating this kid up. Slams him against the dresser, telling him this, that, and the other. And I was watching. And I was like, "Oh shit! Okay, that's what kind of facility I'm in." I was like, this is interesting because that's illegal and this guy is a police officer. So, okay, that's how they're going to do things. And then after that, I was confronted by Tyree because I snuck $400 into the facility. Because my intent oh, was, my intent was. How did was, you manage that? I just put it in my sock. They and what did you think you was going to spend it on? I was going to use it to escape. Well, I was going to escape and I was going to use it for travel expenses to get to St. Louis because I knew people in hey, St. Louis. And I was, on the, I was on the Missouri border and I was like, all right, well, that's the game plan. 400 is what I had in cash. So I was like, all right, let's go for it. I never saw that 400 again. I'm, he, I think he pocketed it. And uh, so that was my first experience. I didn't get hit or anything by him, but he did threaten me. And I was like, okay, you know, that was a close call. Uh, and then Stan Jackson grabbed me and he was yanking me and pulling me by my arm one night and, uh, no one was around. It was just me and him. And, uh, I can't even remember why he was yanking me to wherever I was going, but, um, my head, I thought he hit me at first cause my head hit so hard, but now I think I might've hit like a bony part of his shoulder or something. Cause the way he was pulling me, I was getting like whiplash is, uh, so I told I I wrote my mom in a letter and I wrote in code. So she sent somebody to the place. They talked to me, and they say, "Okay, who 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 harmed you? Uh, give me their name and what they did." And I was like, "All right, well, before I do that, I'd like to know w w what's your game plan here." 
And the lady says, well, I'm going to confront the staff member. We're going to do a formal investigation and we'll make a determination whether it happened or not. And uh, if they did, then the person would get, you know, they'd get in trouble. And I was like, and what are you going to do with me in the meantime? I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, you're, are you going to leave me alone with these guys after you interrogate them? Because I ratted them out because we're in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what these guys are capable of. And she's like, well, we're not going to take you anywhere. I was like, throw me in a concrete cell. I don't care. I just don't feel safe being here if I'm going to give you guys their name. And uh, yeah. she, she wouldn't she wouldn't budge. So I was like, well, I guess I can't tell you. Then. I could tell you what happened to me, but I can't give any names. And uh, I guess that's just what it's going to have to boil down to. She tells my mom that I was lying and that uh, I was just likely trying to get out early. Even though I told her they could put me in a concrete cell, but um, yeah, anyway, so that's how that played out, and I don't know the whole place. I mean, I, I saw so many kids get hurt. I saw kids get stitches and slammed to gravel, and um. But anyways, enough about me. I, I'd like to know more about your experience. Uh, how did you end up at the Lord's Ranch? Did the courts send you there, or was it your parents? Um. The cool, well, it was a mixture of both. Okay. Um, I had did not have the greatest um, family loss. There was a lot of things happening, and you know, I had the family members that would give me drugs and give me alcohol and kind of enable everything in a way. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't living with my mom because there was some conflict between me and my stepdad. So I moved in with my aunt. And um, my aunt was like the cool, fun party aunt. You know, I got my first tattoo when I was 13 at her house. And, oh, wow. Uh, guys, like, I would say guys because they were older than me. I was allowed to date. They were allowed to say the night at I was allowed to stay the night at theirs. I practically was raising myself um, because, like I said, she wanted to be the cool party aunt. Yeah. And uh, there was some stuff that went down, and I I had went and stayed the night with the guy that I was dating at the time. And when my mom found out, my mom raised all kinds of hell. And... um, my aunt pretty much called the cops. I didn't know anything about this. My aunt calls the cops and reports me as a runaway. And one of my friends that knew where I was at came over and started beating on the door. I was like, look, the cops are looking for you. They've reported that you've ran away. I don't know what was going on. And I was like, great, okay. So I take a shower and everything, and I go, and I'm like, hey, look, I'm right here. And um, that... It happened a few times, you know, if why my did mom... You, why did your aunt report you as runaway? I thought she was the cool party aunt that let you go and do that. Was it just because she yeah. was trying to kind of cover her ass with your mom, or...? Pretty much. Um, okay. She didn't want to fight with my mom. Like, she threw me a 13th birthday party, and everybody there was drunk. And I, I was plastered, I'm not going to lie. I was drunk, drunk, and my mom had called the cops um, oh, on the birthday party. Yeah, and I ended up, I majorly felt the sobriety test, puked all over the police officer, all kinds of stuff. So it was like my mom and my aunt pretty much battling. 
Mm-hmm. And I guess my aunt was like, well, she'll end up calling the cops or whatever. So it got taken out on me. And this happened a few times. And um, I moved off to my dad's in Florida. And then I come back because my mom got sick. And I don't know. Like, um, my dad signed custody over to my Aunt Peggy. And that's her name. I don't care if that's put out there. I mean, she already knows. She's already been yelling at me anyways uh, for talking about what happened there. But um, She yelled at you for talking about it? Yeah. Um, about what happened at the range? There's a big group message that my family has. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, they didn't think it was right. You know, some they think some stuff should be left in private and silent and in the past and just move on from it. Oh, but, I see. Uh, my dad gave her custody of me, and then it stuff happened again like that. And I was like, at this point, I was done. I was totally done with it. And um, they put me in CYS. And while I was in CYS in Jonesboro, Arkansas. What does CYS um, stand for? Consolidated Youth Services. Okay. It's like, it's a home, you know, girls have houses, boys have houses. You can talk, hang out with each other. Um, If you go to school in that town, they let you go to regular school. If not, you know, you're in classes there. Mm Mm-hmm. And your family can bring you up food anytime and stuff like that. You know, you can call them every night. It's pretty much like a summer camp. Kind of sounds I like guess. one of the places. I went to a place called Alaska Children's Services, and that was very similar. We went to a normal school that was up the road, and we could make phone calls every day. There was always a phone available. <clears throat> yeah. And I don't even recall if there was a time limit on the phone. There might have been. I can't remember it now, but... Uh, I do yeah, remember making calls. I mean, calls. I was there, and what had happened there was um, my goof self brought my new clothes. You know, you know, our parents back in those days was like, "Here's your new clothes. Here's your old clothes. You don't wear your new clothes somewhere. You're gonna get messed up." Um, I brought like my fashionable, like expensive clothes. And uh, I walked in from school, and one of the girls had on a pair of my pants and some other stuff. And I confronted her about it. You know, I'm like 13, 14 years old. Well, I was 14. Why are we over my clothes like a typical teenage girl? Sure. And um, she started yelling. I started yelling. She shoved me. I shoved her. She threw a plate at me. I picked up a broom. I was like, okay, the fight's on. Here we go. Yeah. So, um, me and her both get kicked out of CYS, and I was put in a juvenile detention center, and they were waiting on a bed to a different facility. And um, I remember them coming and getting me, and I was like, okay, well, you're going to go to the Lord's Ranch, which is in Warm Springs. And I was like, well, I know where that's at. I used to go swimming in the creek up there a lot when, you know, I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And... As far as I know, like, um, my aunt knew about the place, and they talked to her before they placed me there. Mm -hmm. And from what she had read about it, it was a Christian-based facility that was on a ranch in the country. You know, you took care of animals, you had your schoolwork, you went to church, and it was 
like a little backwoods community, pretty much. Right. So yeah, that that was your expectation going into it. That it was, yeah. you know, going to be kind of a almost like a soothing environment. You know, get away, get into exactly. the country a little so bit. I was sure. like, okay, you know, this this is fun. This is okay. Yeah, sounds better and, than uh, JDC. Oh yeah. And I remember the first day I got there, because they were telling them, well, these are the clothes she can have and what she can't have and what she can bring. And I remember showing up, and I was in a, I was in a skirt, and it had belt loops on it, and I had a belt on, and I had a cute little belt buckle with it and everything else. And I walked in. Everybody was really nice the first day. Mm-hmm. Um. Jan was my house mom. Like, I was never moved to any other house. And I don't honestly remember what the houses were called, but this one was, like, right above the main house, right above, you know, Bud and Ted's house. Okay. And the office was right there next to us and everything else. We actually had to walk through their house and go upstairs to get to our rooms. I've heard of that house, but I've never, I, I don't know, I've never seen it. Yeah, um, it's over where, like, you would go to the psychiatrist at. Mm-hmm, okay. It's in the house next door to it. Interesting, okay. So, I go in there, everybody's introducing themselves. Um, I run into one of the older girls there, and they're like, okay, you know, first you have to do the lash treatment when you come in, which that's routine, honestly, for everywhere you go. You get put in grown-up jail, you get the loss treatment, you get put in JDC, you get the loss treatment, you know. That must just so be for like, girls, because I didn't get a loss treatment. I mean, they just, I mean, they shave our head, so I guess maybe that's uh, why they don't, didn't. But, but yeah, that's that's probably why we didn't get the, yeah, or at least I don't so, recall getting it. Yeah, so I was like, okay, so I go in there, and I'm getting this done, and I'm in the bathroom, you know, in the chair, and. She's doing my hair, and everybody's in there introducing themselves, and we're talking, and for the first couple of weeks, it seemed like everything was normal. Um, The church stuff, that was pushed a lot, which I was involved in church before I went, but it was just too much because I'm still like, I want to listen to rap music and saying what I wanted to sing. And at the time, like, I was in the Rob Zombie really big and Limp Biscuit and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I remember my Limp Biscuit days. Limp Biscuit actually just put out a new album. I don't know if you know that. Did you hear me? But yeah, I get put in there and I'm like, okay, now I'm stuck here watching cartoons like a little kid and we're going to church on site and then we're going to church off site. And it was just constantly cramped and cramped and cramped. And my first bout was seeing anything abusive. Um, I had been staying in the house for a couple of weeks, and there was a little girl that came in. She was about 10 years old. And she was freaked out. She was crying. She wanted her mom. She wanted to go home. She didn't want to be there. And that's understandable. No kid wants to be there, you no. know. No. So I was, like, trying to get her calmed down. And there was a couple other girls that I was had made friends with was in there with me trying to get her calmed down. 
And all of a sudden, we hear the loudest footsteps. And we're like, what is that? Who's that? And one of the girls started pointing to the room, so everybody else ran out of the room. And I guess I didn't get the memo uh, to run out of the room because nobody said anything. Right. And uh, I seen Jan um, grab her by her arm. And I mean, first she asked her, she grabbed her by her arm and she said, what are you crying about? And, you know, the little girl started explaining, look, hey, I miss my mom. You know, I want to be back home. And I don't know anybody. And I was trying to mediate between sobs and freak out crowds. And um, Jan told her that she was in there because she was a terrible child, that her mother didn't want her anymore. And if her mother wanted her, her mother would take care of her at the house and fix her behavioral problem herself instead of sending her off for somebody else to raise her. And this was Jan Curtis? Yes. Okay. So I'm like, you don't tell a kid that. That's okay. Yeah, 10-year-old so little girl. I'm through That's... all of this now, and I'm just like, what in the holy hell? Why is she telling this child this? I mean, I understand I come from a screwed-up family, and my family is one of the reasons why I'm here. But this lady's but, at work. <laughs> yeah, you don't do that. Like, you're supposed to be kind, caring, and compassionate while dealing with kids that's having this hard transition. And she was anything but. And the next thing I know, there was more screaming, more commotion. I was told to get to my room and get in bed. So I was like, okay. I'm going to listen because I'm not fixing to go through what she's going through. Um, so I walked off to my room. I was on top bunk. I crawled up in the bunk, covered up. And we all hear the, it was a loud freaking crash. By that time, all of us are awake. We all run out of our rooms. And Jan has this girl by her arm. Screaming and yelling at her about, your family don't want you, your family don't care about you, you wouldn't be here if they did. And the little girl was screaming, and she's just yanking her around, and then starts, and she slams her head up the wall and says, if you're going to continue to cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. (laughs) So, before we thought about the consequences of what we were fixing to do, we all jumped up. About five of us that ran out. We jumped up, got in between them, and was like, look, this is not going to happen. Because you're going to end up killing her, hitting her head up against the wall that hard. So, we defended this poor little 10-year-old girl. We all ended up with wall time. And, you know, wall time is we had to stand up against the wall like we were in timeout. I'm like, why didn't you just put me in the corner? Because that's what I thought. And right. we stood there for about five hours. You st- you stared at the wall for five hours? They give you sit-down breaks? Uh, Yeah, like a couple minutes sit-down break, or if you needed to go to the bathroom. Mm, that okay. way. And then you were timed in the bathroom because I thought you were just in there messing around. Right, which... Probably some of us were, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in there. I was like, uh, I have to go number two, so this might take a minute. And then, you know, I got to walk 
hands and yeah, I I milked the hell out of that her trauma. Come out of there with the cleanest hands in all the land. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like do I have anything in my teeth while I'm in here, you know? <laughs> Let's just do the whole examination. <laughs> um and that was pretty much the first time I seen violence and was punished for taking up for somebody. Okay, so that was your first indication that you weren't in Kansas anymore, so to speak. Like, oh, okay, that's that, that's how they do things here. Wow. You know, I, I, I remember seeing Jean around, and uh, she was pregnant, and uh, she's probably one of the goofiest-looking pregnant people I've ever seen. She, <laughs> she, uh... Oh, Annie, um, had the, like, it wasn't even cropped or bald. It was just a straight round cut with the glasses. And she always wore, decided to wear her pants up almost to her boobs. With yeah. a coat kitchen, I don't know. Yeah, well, she was very, she was so unappealing. <laughs> I just. I was like, well then, um, okay. Like, it reminded me of honestly watching Roseanne. Yeah. The sitcom, you know, her sister, how she used to dress. Yeah, and how yeah. Her I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah. So that was like my first indication that, okay, this is not what it was made up to be. So after that, girls started talking and was like, look, you're going to have to listen to staff. Don't talk back. Don't say anything bad about the ranch. You're here. Don't drink the haterade. Um, do what they tell you. And I'm like, well, I kind of got that after the other night, you know. Right. It's all about survival, essentially. Like, you got to kind of keep your head down and just do what you're told. Yeah. And it went on and went on. Like, I was witnessing this abuse. And if a girl got caught talking to a boy, oh, my Lord. Um, that was terrible. They were called every name under the sun and was told that they didn't act that way. That wasn't Christian-like, and you're not supposed to flaunt yourself in front of men. And I'm thinking the whole entire time, well, I'm seeing male staff flirt with these teenage girls. Right. Yeah, I heard about that. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Because I, 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 I've heard about this. I've heard, not only did I hear that they were flirting, I've heard some of them, that there was, uh, they were touching some of them inappropriately. Some had cheated on their wives with resident, female residents. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what kind of stuff did you witness or do you know about, I guess? Um, we had what we would call pets. The staff pick, staff pet. And anybody that would, you know, flirt with male staff or show them a little bit of attention and things like that were treated way differently than the ones that were like, no, this is kind of, this is pedophilia at its finest. Now let's grow. Right. Um, And girls would do that. And I'm not saying it, I mean, there was some staff that would come on. To people, I was myself was sexually assaulted um, by Ted while I was there. By Ted, but there was girls that would see this going on and they would start 
making passes at staff because they wanted the special treatment and not to be in trouble and, you know, to be able to do home visits and things like that. Not only that, and, but they're not even allowed to look at any guys their own age and their their hormones, you know, are, are what they are at that age. Exactly, I mean, and I, everybody is trapped and bored with nothing to do and nowhere to go. Yeah. And I've... I've seen the flirting, I've seen the holding hands, you know, behind the church building, and certain guys would pull out certain females, of uh, certain girls, while church was going on and say, hey, I have to talk to them or they're needed in a certain place. And that's kind of how they kept it covered up from everybody. Uh, my encounter Where was the- just a... Before we go there, where would they go when they pulled them out of church? Do you know where they, they, was it just behind the church? they go anywhere else, like a vehicle? I was behind the church, but we wasn't allowed to go outside of the church, you know, unattended. Okay. Um, We actually wasn't even allowed to leave the church for anything if services were going on. No matter if we had to use the bathroom or not, we had to hold it. Right. So... Uh So, so what was your incident? You said you had a, you were assaulted by Ted. Yes. Um, one night, oh God, there was a phone call going on um, between me and my mom. When they take you over to the main house for phone calls, mm-hmm. uh, you have to sit there. You know, at the little desk, there's like two people over you and your house mom, and. Um, I was talking to my mom, and I was telling her, this was back, there's a lot that goes into this. Um, they took me to an OBGYN to have a pipe smear done for some reason. I don't know what. And um, they told me that I had STDs. I had genital warts. And I'm like, I don't even know like how I got genital warts, but okay. And come to find out, it was an abnormal skin tag. I was down there, but they put hydrochloric acid on it, whatever, melted it off. Mm-hmm. So my mom, I was like, hey, look, they said I have STDs. And my mom's like, no, you've always had a skin tag down there, like, even when you were born. That's not an STD, that's a skin tag. Wait, so, so they, they just looked at it and diagnosed it? They didn't test it? They didn't cut it off and test it? I don't think so, because it was one of the doctors that, took the Medicaid and um, Mm. would see the kids for them. So now I'm trying to explain to my mom that they said I have STDs and my mom's tripping out. I'm tripping out. And the phone phone line gets cut. And I'm like, what just happened? And I turn around and one of them... Is standing over me. I forgot which one it was. They're standing over me. They're like, why did you tell her that? I was like, because that's my mom. She has the right to know what's going on with my body more than y'all have the right to know what's going on with my body. Right. And there was some screaming and there was some arguing. And they put it on the wall. Was this a male or a female who was screaming and arguing? This was a male. Okay. And I believe what his name is because a lot of people just congregated in that house down there. I got you. So I'm getting screamed at, yelled at, and they put me on the. And then they, I started getting called a nasty whore. 
and I was a stupid slut. And how dare I let a guy touch me and give me STDs and talking about how I probably liked it. So I just got really, really mad, and I'm not going to lie. I started screaming Dragula by Rob Zombie at the top of my lungs just because, like, I knew I was fixing to get my ass beat. (laughs) Right. Whatever. I knew it was coming. And if I stayed quiet, it got worse. If I said something, it got worse. I just started doing that. Well, now it has turned into I have went crazy. I've went psychotic. I'm not a part of society. Um, it's the devil in me. It's the demons. And I remember vaguely they gave me a shot of Thorazine. I did not know what Thorazine was at the time, but I do now. Right. They gave me a shot of Thorazine. Ted gave me a shot of Thorazine. A nurse wasn't there to administer it. He done it himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where was the injection site of the Thorazine? In my arm. Okay. So I'm like, now I'm in the straitjacket. Now I'm really screwed up because I just gave me Thorazine. Like, I was high as a cop. Right. And I'm loaded in one of the vans. And it was Ted himself and another guy that put me in there. And Ted drove me to a different house. I don't know what the house was called, but it had a secret room in it. And it looked like a closet, but it wasn't a closet. It was a small little room with no windows, no nothing. And they're putting me in here with this jacket on. And I'm like, okay, this is not even a padded room. And if I was strong enough, I'd just kick the door in and get out. Right. But you know how enforced the doors work. Sure. So while they're putting me in here, I guess Ted thought that I was so out of it after he gave me the shot that I wouldn't know what was going on. Um, the other guy leaves, and it's me and Ted in this room. Was the other guy black or white? White. Okay, so two white guys. Okay. And I'm in the room. I'm dazed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fixing to go out. I'm fixing to just go to sleep. And then by the time I wake up, somebody's going to let me out, you know. Sure. Um, with me in the straight jacket, and you know, when you put on a straight jacket properly, there is a strap between the legs. Um. He started, like, touching me through my pants that I had on because I had a pair of sweatpants on. Was touching me through that and was rubbing me and telling me to be quiet and don't fight it. And if I wanted to be a whore and catch STDs, he was going to treat me like a whore. And Where was he touching you? Between my legs. Okay. And I started screaming... And started kicking. I was trying to fight, and he was holding me down and had his hand over my mouth and my nose where I couldn't breathe. And I was like, just, I was tripping. And somebody come in. I don't know who it was. I couldn't see anybody. But with me fighting that bad, he was like, I'll deal with you later. And he got up, and he shut the door, and he locked it. So now I'm in here high as hell, 
don't even know what they just gave me. Just got sexually assaulted and locked in this little room. So I'm like, what if I scream, will somebody come get me out? Yeah. And nobody came to get me out. And uh, the next day, it was a little bit after lunch, I had came to. I was completely out. Um, too, and I heard somebody talk to the female voice. And I started kicking the side of the, like, kicking the inside of the door and kicking the walls that were there and screaming. And um, she, like, apparently she had keys to it because she let me out. And she was like, I didn't know you were in here. How long have you been in here? And I told her what was going on. And she was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to get you out. You're going to take a shower. I'm going to find you some more clothes to put on. And you're going to sit and you're going to eat. So, you know, some houses had the kitchen so she made me something to eat, and we sat at the table in there, and we talked, and I told her what happened, and she was crying. I was crying, and she asked for my mother's phone number, and I gave her my mom's phone number, and she was like, I'm going to call her, and I'm going to let her know exactly what's going on here and see if there's any way she can try to pull you out of here. But there were some staff that did care, you yeah, know, and no, they were. Yeah, that did, like, sneak cell phones and let you call and were there for all of it. But who was, this who, tried, who was this who tried to help you? I don't remember her name, and I wish I did. Um, she was skinny, about 5'6", had brown hair down to her shoulders. Hmm, okay. And for the life of me, I can't remember her dang name. But... She got a hold of my mom, and that's when wheels were in motion and tried to get me out. And um, after that, it was downhill from me. So I wouldn't. And I was saying, hey, this is happening. I mean, I wasn't one of the ones that kept quiet about what was going on. And I wouldn't subject myself to that, you know. You, oh, you said you weren't one of the ones that would keep quiet? No, I I was one of the ones that when I got phone calls, I would tell my mom right there in front of them, hey, look, this is going on. Right. Um, did they disconnect the line whenever you did that? Every single time. Wow. And that so was you weren't who, allowed Jan? to speak out. Staff wasn't even allowed to speak out. Was that Jan who would disconnect the phone or who was disconnecting it? Um, I was down there with Ted and Bud and the wife, Shirley. Um, Jan would be down there because, you know, it would be our night, so we'd all take turns and stuff going down there. Some of the other staff would come in, like Flanders' wife would come in, and it, like I said, it was just like a mess. Yeah. Body was in and out. But yeah, phone, the phone would get disconnected and then there was a fight. Or the phone would get disconnected and you were sent up to your room and you lost phone privileges for a week. Uh, because you ratted them out. Yeah. 
if you said anything negative or told anything that was going on there, you were cut off. Wow. Um, I remember going to Pizza Hut in Water Ridge because I was born in Pocahontas. I was born in Randolph County. I was living in Water Ridge at the time that I got sent there. And so, I mean, you take me out to eat somewhere in a small town that I'm from, of course somebody is going to know me. Right. And um, one of my friends from school was working there. And he came up and was talking to me, asking me how everything was going. And I was on my best behavior there. I didn't say anything bad or nothing like that. But just because I knew him, we stopped going to that pizza hut. Oh, wow. Um, I had to stop going to the... They wouldn't, I had braces, and they wouldn't take me to the dentist. They took me one time, and my aunt was at the dentist because somebody had told her that worked at the dentist office that my appointment was that day, so she showed up. I had to stop going to the dentist. Like, I took my braces off myself because my brackets were falling off. Oh, so you couldn't get them tightened or anything like that? It was just kind of just coming loose? I'm not familiar with braces too much, but you do have to get them tightened routinely, right? Yeah, you have to get the wires changed and the bands changed and stuff so your teeth could progress and, you know, I got you. Move. Um, I wasn't allowed to do that. I couldn't go to my dentist. I, they did take me to the eye doctor. I'm very happy for that because I never wanted to go to an eye doctor at all. <laughs> and they're like, look, there's something going on with your eyes. And I think you, you know, need to go to the eye doctor. So they set me up an appointment and took me there. And I remember it was Peter. I keep forgetting his last name. He was from the Cayman Islands. Him and his wife worked there. I can't remember they, his last his last name either, but I do remember him. He had that accent. Did you like him? Yes. I, I I never had an issue with Peter. And he had the thick sideburns going on. He, mm-hmm. I mean, he was cool. They took me to my eye doctor appointment, and we stopped at Walmart and uh, got clothes and stuff like that because my mom had sent money. Because, you know, your parents could send money. And uh, my mom had sent money, so when we went out, we got me some more clothes and stuff that would fit because I had gained all that weight. And he was, like, really cool about it. And he was like, yeah, you are blonde. You do need glasses. Come on. So we went. And on the way back, I was listening to, like, Kiss FM and stuff. Like, I was like, hey, can I not have to listen to K-Love? Yeah, and we're not- <laughs> more music. Hey, love. Oh, my God. I I hated that station. If I hear that anymore, I'm just going to scream. I'm going to jump out of this van, and I'm going to run. And I I remember I did tell him, I'm just going to run away. If you make me listen to that anymore, I'm just going to jump out. (laughs) And it's like, okay, well, what station do you listen to when you're not? (laughs) You know, because I was was like, man, um, this is. It honestly makes you want to shoot yourself in the head. Oh, my God, it was, yeah. It was the same songs all the time. I know, and I'm like, and, please, and, please. Uh, it's just like, I can't I can't deal with this. We have to sing songs. We have to listen to songs. Like, can we just stop this? Like, you guys are just drowning us in all this biblical jargon, and I just can't deal with it. Like, it's just too much. It's yeah. Like, which it's, is, which they shouldn't have been you, doing. They shouldn't have been like do- that. 
they shouldn't have been doing it that way because they received federal funding. The separation of church and state laws, I mean, they go completely against what they were doing. And and because they, they would force people to go to chapel. Tony Alamo stuff in Texas, who said, honestly, we wasn't in a group home. We were in a cult, and they were trying to recruit. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, there were staff members who ended up marrying girls that were there. I mean, and they're still married, and then you they had have kids and everything like, else, and and they didn't wait to consummate their marriage either, even when they were underage. Exactly, and it it was so weird. Um, I've watched the abuse. I went through the abuse. I went through the sexual assault. I've seen, you know. The girls that were the favorites because they were doing stuff with the staff. Um, wow. I, the girls had it bad. I mean, you were either judged for being a whore or you were pretty much pimped out to staff. And if you wasn't like this submissive little whore for staff, like you were just the worst person ever. And right. I was like, I don't that. Like, you judge us for premarital sex, but you're pushing premarital sex. Right, sex. like you're trying to make something happen here. Like, you guys are just, yeah, they're completely hypocritical. Yeah, I and I was so confused. I just, like I said, I, I tried to stay to myself. I had, like, a group of girls that I hung out with. One of them I knew personally from... You know, her growing up around the same area I grew up in. And we stuck together. You know, we did stand up for the other ones. Um, but we knew we were fixing to get in trouble if we'd done it. Right. And then, like, uh, there was one staff member, Amber. I don't know her last name. She was hefty set, had red hair. Yeah, she was married to that guy named Kevin, right? I don't know. Because yeah, I, back I think that's then, who it was. like, she was very closeted, like, nobody really knew much about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and somebody, I remember somebody found a magazine, like a catalog underneath that couch, and it was, like, pagan and Wiccan stuff. And one of the older girls that had been there for a few years, that was one of the pets, uh, told on her. And she didn't know who told, so we all got in trouble. And I'm like, I'm not even in your house. I'm just over here because y'all had us to come over here. Was, and uh, um, Amber, Amber disciplined all, everybody? Yeah, we're oh, like wow. all time. And then there was a few of us was like, what's even going on? Why are we doing this? What the hell happened? And um, I, she asked me, she was like, well, did you tell? Because I know that you're trying to get in good graces with certain people. I'm like, first of all, I'm just trying to survive this place. Second of all, I ain't getting my ass bit like these other people are for whatever they're doing. I said, I stay quiet. If I have a book, my face is in that book. You know, I'm just trying to chill and count my days. I don't know when I'm going to get out, but I'm counting my days. Right. And... We got into it, and somebody else was screaming and yelling at her. And next, I'm like, this This was before I got on my way. I'm like, this little bitty 98-pound 14-year-old. And she's sitting on top of me. 
Oh, God. And she has my hair in her hands. And I'm going, I'm going to die. Yeah. Because I can't I'm like, she was literally crushing all of the air out of me. Oh, she had to be like 300 pounds or something. I mean, she was huge. Yeah. And I was like, I can't breathe. I'm turning purple. I can feel myself going in and out here. And one of the girls came out there and started screaming and yelling. And she let go of me. And I was like, thank God, like, you saved my life and put yourself in danger. And I don't like that you put yourself in danger, but you saved my life, you know? And it it was rough. Like, I I ended up on shoe restriction one time because somebody said that um, me and this girl, Shana, was going to try to run. Yeah. And we wasn't even talking about running away. Yep. Um. But they so, claim they claim somebody said it. Do you know? Yeah. Do you know who said it, or did they just say that somebody said it? They said that somebody said it, and I think it's because when we were on the wall one night, I cut her hair with toenail clippers. She wanted her hair cut. Nobody would cut her hair, and there was <laughs> me. You know, I'm like, well, I can say that I need to, you know, clip my nails and go get some toenail clippers, and we can do this thing. Yeah, how short do you want it? So, and she had it in like, it was a white girl, she had it in braids, and she was like, at the um, rubber bands. And I was like, okay, so I'll have her clipping hair off with toenail clippers. That was the first time and the last time I ever did hair with toenail clippers, but it worked. (laughs) I'm surprised. So then after that, somebody was like, well, they're going to run away because they're not listening to the rules. And I'm like, we're listening to the rules. She wanted her hair cut. There's nothing bad about that. Yeah, what's the big deal? um, they took our shoes, completely took our shoes. And, you know, you have to have, the shoes were locked in the cabin anyways as soon as you got in the house. Right, right. And give it to you the next day. Oh, no. Where we were at that main office, we had to walk. And they wouldn't even let us ride in a van either, which sucked ass. Yeah. We had to walk from there to school barefoot. And we had to walk back barefoot and into services barefoot on, the, and on all that gravel I, well i guess yes. there was grass nearby too so you probably went over onto the grass oh we wasn't allowed to do that we had to walk straight gravel oh wow Stop. they forced you to walk on the gravel all the way to the school yeah and one night it was raining and i was like um i'm not messing my socks up like I know you're not going to give me my shoes. Can I at least have something? So, um, Miriam, which was one of the black ladies there, that was the house mom. She was like, they won't give you shoes, but you think that might like be able to do Ziploc bags or something? Kind of like, you know, when we'd go trick-or-treating or something, and it was raining, and we had to tie like the grocery bags to our shoes so oh we wouldn't get our yeah, so we came up with that idea so the socks wouldn't get all nasty. Yeah. But the bags were spritz on the gravel anyway, so that really wasn't that bright. It helped for a little bit. Right, yeah, it's only going to last so long. They're not really made for that sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> wow. I mean, it it was crazy. And then I've seen um, two little girls have to clean the chicken coop with plastic spoons. What? And we were all throwing up. Well, I was, uh-uh, no. 
walking over there and had it in their fingernails and stuff. They wouldn't even let them wash their hands before they ate. And it was whenever we're, you know, having the outdoor picnics. Yeah. And sandwiches and finger foods, they wouldn't even let them poor girls wash their hands. And I threw up. I'm not going to lie. I was one of the, it turned my stomach so bad. Yeah. And they took pictures while they were doing this and blew it up poster size and framed it and gave it to Jan because the two girls were in our house. And Jan put it up in her room. Like she was happy that they did that horrible thing to them. That is, that is some, that's like a sociopath. Oh, there was a lot of stuff that happened on days like that. Um, If you had to go to the bathroom, of course, the staff had to go with you. So you can go pee so they know you weren't just in there messing around. I had told them, I know at least over 20 times I had to go pee. And I was like, I'm fixing to pull my pants down right here and squat and pee. I'm from the country. I can pee behind a tree. I don't care. I just need to pee. Yeah. And I was getting, like, bombarded because I had to pee. And after I said it so many times, well, I have to go stand on the side of the house now. That's how it was when they didn't want to deal with you. They just put you on the wall or at the side of the house. Yeah. You're just over there now. Ugh. Um, I ended up peeing on myself. Did you get in trouble and for that? I got in major trouble for that. Of course you uh, did, even though it's their fault. I was drugged up those steps to the point where I fell down those steps and was told that I was a baby. They was asking if I needed to wear a diaper. They parade instead of bringing me in silently, I had to walk. In front of all of these other teenagers and little kids with pea-soaked pants while they told everybody that I peed on myself. Wow. So they paraded you around to humiliate you, essentially. Yeah. And then they told my sister, um, because at the time, my brother-in-law, he was a retired doctor. He owned his own, you know, medical place and everything, and knew the rules and regulations, and my sister was trying to help get me out of there as fast as, as she could. And um, I had gotten a letter from her, and it was talking about how I peed on myself and if that was my latest antic. And I was like, how does my sister know that I pissed in my pants? Right. She's in Jones. Well, she, yeah, she was in Jonesboro all the time. I was like, she's this far away from me. But yet she knows I paid on myself. Like, what are they doing here? Right. And that made me upset, too, because now they're, you know, telling my family all this and that I have these problems. And I'm like, no, you wouldn't let me go to the bathroom. Right. You didn't have any option. Exactly. Like, I didn't know, you know, I knew I had to pay really bad, but it just happened. So not only did they, like, parade me around to be humiliated, they got a hold of my family and told my family that I'm now peeing myself um, as a way of disobedience, I guess. So they acted like it was a pattern when it only happened the one time because they wouldn't yeah. let you go. Yeah. And that not... Um, 
it got so bad that night I took a belt because for some reason they wouldn't let us have our shoes, but they would let us have belts. I didn't understand that. That was probably the dumbest thing they could do. Um, I used the belt and I hung myself in the closet in our room. Wow. And it was after lights out and somebody, I don't remember what girl heard it, but um, when they got to me, apparently I was gone. I woke up to being bagged. They had, they were doing CPR, chest compressions, was bagging me. And I came to, and I remember looking at Jan going, why don't you just let me die? Just let me die. Leave me alone. What was Jan's reaction to that? We can't do that. I wasn't taken to the hospital or anything. Um, I was told to get in my bed and stay there. Wow. So I climbed up on my top bunk. They revive you from hanging yourself, and you don't even get checked at the hospital, and they they literally had to do chest compressions? Yeah. That is unbelievable. And the next morning... Like, they come in there, you know, they flip the light on, they wake you up and everything. And I was like, I'm not getting out of bed. By this time, I was just, I was over everything. I was refusing to do shit. And I'm like, I'm not getting up. And Jan and I forgot what older lady that they had come in uh, with her. Is it the lady with the mullet? Kind of. Uh, dark brown curly. I can't remember. I did. I didn't really talk to a lot of the female staff. I just. I remember seeing some of them and. Oh. And some um, of them like like teachers' aides or like Amber was a teacher's aide. The the overweight girl. That's who. Uh, that's how I knew who she was. And uh, and then there was this one girl that used to work at like a prison. She had a mullet. She basically just looked like a. I don't know. She looked like a guy to me. It, they came in there because I was refusing to get out of bed and grabbed me by my feet and drug me off of the top bunk. And you know how tall those bunk beds were. Oh, my God. I was literally yanked off of that. This is so the morning okay. after you attempted suicide and had to be revived. Yeah. I'm like, I'm up. What are we doing? Where are we going? Like, well, you have to go to breakfast. I'm like, okay. So I went to breakfast. And apparently, word got around about how bad this place was. Um, one of my other aunts that I didn't live with, like, you know, she had heard about it. And her friend, Patrick, um, ended up getting a job in the kitchen there as one of the cooks. And um, he asked me, he said, are you okay? Because I heard about commotion uh, last night. And I was like, I'm fine. I'm all right. And I was like, no, if you're not okay, like, I can send messages to your family. I was like, they've already sent messages. Nothing's going to, you know, be done. They're going to release me whenever they want to release me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I'm here on some mornings for breakfast and some nights for supper. If there's anything that you need to let them know, you let me know. So I'm like, okay, so now my family has sent somebody in to work at that place to keep an eye on what's going on. Right. 
And the whole time, you know, like I said, my sister and my brother-in-law and my mom are trying to figure out ways to get me out and trying to figure out why I was put on the medication I was put on because of the reason I was sent there. Like, I was on antidepressants, two different antidepressants, and an antipsychotic and a sleeping pill. And it, I was so much falling asleep in the middle of class and then yep. getting yelled at because I was sleeping. Yeah, because they have you on those crazy meds. I know they put me on, I got poison ivy, and they gave me a bunch of Benadryl, and that made me tired, and they made me go to school, and I was falling asleep in class, too, and it was the exact same situation. I was just like, You get turned out and yelled at, well, aren't you staying awake? Well, maybe because of all this medicine y'all put me on. Yeah, you know? like, I'm tired. You, know, you, you just have me drugged up right now. Like, I'm trying my best. I don't know how much of this I can really retain right now. Maybe you guys should just let me go sleep in a quiet room. Yeah, and I never seen the psychiatrist while I was there. So for them to just say, "Hey, this is the medicine you need," that was kind of odd. You never saw a psychiatrist while you were there. I never seen him. I was assigned to a guy. I don't remember what his name is, but the only time that I seen him and his wife, uh, I think her last name was. I don't even remember her last name. She was skinny, brown headed. Uh, she was really nice. Um, Miss, I think it was Christy or something like that. But the only time I seen them was whenever um, Alonzo broke my arm and they put me in a house by myself. Alonzo broke your arm. Yeah. Now how, I how had did, a nice, pretty hump. How? No. Okay. No, uh, no, what, how did in this my left happen? arm? Did you go to the hospital? Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> it, I was pulled out of church because I because I had an ulcer on my tongue because of the braces and nobody caring for the braces and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. it was affecting my entire mouth, and um, it started bleeding real bad. And I remember I turned around and I was trying to get Jane's attention to let her know, like, "Hey, look, the thing on my tongue has ruptured and it's bleeding." Well, I was being disruptive during church, so we go outside. Jane yanks me up. We go outside. We're talking. She's like, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And I opened my mouth and blood just started pouring out. And she was like, I seen the fear in her eyes. And she was like, what happened? And I was like, that ulcer on my tongue ruptured. And I was trying to get your attention because I didn't want to spit blood in the floor or, you know, or have this all over the place. Yeah. And she was like, well, what were you doing for it to rupture? And I was like, I wasn't doing anything. It just ruptured like it went from she was rude as hell the whole entire time to now she's freaking out because i was gushing a lot of blood from my mouth right and um oh, but then she still asked you talking. what were you doing to make that happen like it's it's she's still trying to put the blame on you though yeah so we're sitting there talking and she starts yelling and i'm like what are you even yelling about and then i turn around and i realized alonzo has walked up behind me, and he's standing there. Like, I didn't know he was back there. So now she's making a big scene. Like, mm-hmm. she goes from being nice about things to now she wants to act a fool because she has somebody there watching her. Yeah, put on a show for Alonzo. Yeah. And Alonzo was like, are we having problems out here? And I turned around. And when I turned around, he I guess it was how I turned. I don't know. But I spun around real fast. I said, yeah, we're having problems out here. 
my mouth is bleeding. And whenever I pointed at my mouth, I raised my hand. And that automatically was like, oh, she raised her hand. She's fixing to hit me. Right. So he instinctively grabs you. Physically grabbed me and had me in an arm bar. An actual arm bar? Or was he cranking his arm bar? An actual arm bar. Like an MMA arm bar? Yeah. So you were were flat on your back then? No. My arm is twisted behind me and my hand is touching the back of my head. Oh, God. So, yeah, now I start fighting because I'm fixing to get my ass beat. So I'm, like, trying to get out of this, and I'm kicking. I remember I'm, like, kicking legs trying to get him down and everything else, you know, but the more I done it, the tighter he got. And then I finally stopped fighting because, you know, I'm not getting anywhere. And when I got still, he yanked my arm upward. And I started screaming and crying, and I started cussing him out. I started cussing Jan out, and um, they took me back to the house, and I was sitting on the couch, and um, Ted and Bud were in there, and Charlie was in there, and Jan was in there, and Alonzo's in there, and Peter has heard what's going on. He's in there, and everybody's like, trying to flip out on me and stuff like that and screaming and yelling at me. I was like, y'all, my arm is broke. And your mouth's probably still bleeding. And my mouth is still bleeding. My arm's broke. I am fuming. And um, they kept trying to tell me my arm wasn't broke. Where was it broken at? Was it broken at the joint or... Was it broken at the elbow joint or where was it broken at? Um, It's right above the elbow joint. Oh, so like on the bicep. Oh, I can actually, it goes elbow break. Wow, okay. So like bicep, tricep, but the bicep, tricep area, there's a bump there? Oh, it's below that. It's like rock, rock, like a centimeter above my elbow. Jeez. Well, I, I could move my arm. I could feel the bone moving. Yeah. And that was like the gross. Closest feeling ever. Yeah. Um, I can feel the ball moving. I'm trying to tell them my arm's broke, and they're telling me, no, it's not. You need to calm down and quit screaming and quit acting belligerent. And I'm like, whatever. You know, so I just sit there. I'm like, my arm's broke. I'm bleeding from my mouth. I don't know what to do. If I try to fight, I'm screwed. If I try to run, I'm screwed. If I do anything, I'm screwed. Right, you're just trapped. And luckily, um, one of the on-call nurses that they had showed up. I don't even remember what her name was, but she checked my arm out. She's like, yeah, it's definitely broke. I think she needs to go to the hospital. What do they say Uh, when they're finally proven wrong? Yeah. So they said, all right, we'll get her to the hospital and don't tell anybody about this. Keep the rest of the girls upstairs just. Tell them something, come up with something on why she's not here. Oh, my God. So I'm like, okay, well, at least I'm going to the hospital. Um, Peter and, I think it was Peter and Miss Sandy, his wife. Because Peter tried to intervene a lot, as most as much as he could, without consequences. Right, he's a nice guy. Um, 
Yeah, they drove me from Pocahontas, well, from Warm Springs to St. Bernard's Hospital in Jonesboro. And the doctor comes in, does x-rays, and they get into the hospital, got a hold of my mom. And um, was like, hey, look, she's in here from this place, and this is what she's saying. Because Peter told me to tell him exactly what happened. Yeah. And it was like... I will stand here with you and vouch for you. You tell them exactly what happened. So I'm like, okay. So I tell them, they call my mom. And my mom calls my hospital room. And I'm talking to her. And Peter's like, I'm going to walk outside, you know. And Sadie's like, I'm going to go get something to eat. Do you want something from the cafeteria? I know you've got to be hungry. And I was like, well, I don't know if they're going to let me eat or not. And um, they let me have privacy time, you know, on the phone with my mom. And my mom's like, look, I'm coming up there tomorrow. They're saying they're keeping you overnight. I'm I'm coming up there. And if I get in trouble for taking you, I get in trouble. I don't care. And I was like, okay. You know, now my mom's like planning on breaking me out of this place. Yeah. Um, The doctor comes in and they wanted to have an MRI done on my arm because they thought the bone was laying on the nerve. And if the bone was laying on the nerve, they're going to have to go in and do surgery and stuff like that. Oh, and that's going to be extremely painful. Yeah. Um, the, well, he comes in. He's like, look, it's not on the nerve, but we're going to have to cast it. And you're going to have to wear a sling and stuff. And I was like, okay. When they found out that my mom was coming up the next day, I guess they had called up there or something. Um, and was told that they had to get in touch with my mom. They yanked me out of the hospital. Like, told them to sign waivers and get me out of the hospital. So, I go back the next day, and I'm not allowed to be around anybody now. Because you have to hide that your arm's broken. Exactly. Wow. And they put me in a house by myself, and Miss Jamie, we called her, like, grandma and stuff like that. She was an older lady. Um, She got assigned to be my house mom. So it was just me and her in this house. I didn't get to go eat with the rest of the kids. I didn't get to go to the cafeteria. They would go and get groceries at the store in town and bring out to the house. Like... They were that was, dead set on nobody knowing what they had done that they put you in a in a secret house, but you got yeah. to watch movies and stuff, right? Isn't that what you said before that you got to just hang out and watch movies and it was like almost a blessing oh, yeah, in disguise? Like, I, I could go in there and instead of taking like a 10-minute shower, I would like lounge in the bathtub and like take a bubble bath. Um I would sleep in the recliner. I'd fall asleep in the living room, and Miss Jamie didn't care. She's like, I don't care as long as you're not messing stuff up. And um, they put me on a diet because of the pills because I had gained so much weight. And I'm like, okay, now that my arm is broke, and my mother has all of this from the hospital, and my sister is very heavily involved, now y'all are doing something. Like, what the hell is actually happening? And, um, anyway, I'm over there, arm in a cast, watching, like, James Bond movies and Josie and the Pussycats and (laughs) really anything, like, 
I wanted to watch. You know, yeah. Miss Jamie was cool, and I was like, "Well, maybe it's a good thing they broke my arm because now I'm over here and I don't have to deal with all of this. I didn't get to go to church services." Amazing. <laughs> I, I was just stuck in the house. Like I could go outside um, anytime I pretty much wanted to and get fresh air and everything. And that's whenever I seen the psychiatrist. Like, they came over, and I remember I had, like, really long hair. And um, I had talked uh, the girl into cutting my hair. I was like, I can't stand this. I can't deal with this. I weigh this much. I'm sweating to death. I can't breathe. So she whacked my hair off. She said, well, how do you want it? I said, I want it as short as you can get it without shaving it. She's like, okay. So she took pictures um, for my mom with me with really long hair and I was in it like a long blue jean skirt and a button up shirt and had a really cute shirt underneath it you know that let me have my jewelry back don't understand that but I you know had my like little metal necklaces and everything and um took pictures for my mom and then we whacked my hair off (laughs) and while my arm was in a cast I got my first family visit. I didn't get to leave, you know, premises, but my family got to come up there. And uh, they were like, what happened? So I told them, like, it was my mom and my sister, and two of my aunts came up there. They pretty much let my whole entire family come. That's awesome. Yeah, so we're in there. We're, you know, eating food. They brought me Dr. Peppers and chocolate because it was around Easter time. And all kinds of other stuff. And my sister was singing Nelly. She was singing Air Force Ones. And I was like, what is that? Why are you singing about a tennis shoe? She was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. You've been locked up in here. Yeah, you don't know any of the songs right now. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, oh, you're in for a rude awakening when you get out. And I'm like, yeah, uh, you're going to have to tell me what this crap is. Oh, yeah, I was wearing forces back then. I remember those days. Oh, yeah, so I'm like, I have no earthly idea. This is like back when pink started coming out. Like, you know, I knew stuff, but I'm like, what the hell? Stomping in my earth, false ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, why are you saying about a tennis shoe? Like, you ain't got no Air Force Ones. What is your problem? Right, right. And so we're in there, and we're just cutting up and carrying on, and then, like, we would quietly talk, you know? when we didn't want anybody else to hear it because it was in the office part. And uh, I got back to my house, and Miss Jamie was like, hey, how'd your visit go? And I was like, it went pretty cool. And I was like, did you know there's a song about tennis shoes? <laughs> and she was like, I don't listen to that stuff, but there's really? And I was like, yeah, really? And she was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to look it up. What's it called? And she looked it up on her cell phone. <laughs> and I was like, that's what she's talking about. And she was like, yeah, it sounds really stupid. Well, she you know, she's older. She's in the country and stuff. And sure. I was like, has a good beat, but okay, it's Nelly. Yeah. There's yeah. No but um, it wasn't long after that they released me. And I remember them. Did they, they didn't. Was, didn't your, was your arm still broken when they released you? No, it wasn't. I was I was out of my cast. It was um, in November. I remember my mom had wrote me. I received a letter. 
And I don't know why they didn't go through it, and I'm glad they didn't. But she let me know that I would be home for Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. And I was getting out and just being off and continue doing what I was doing, not giving anybody problems. So how long have you had you been there at this point? Nine months. Now, were you getting out because your mom had intervened, or were they just like, all right, it's time to discharge? I was getting out because between my mom, my sister, and my brother-in-law, if I wasn't released, they were bringing the cops up there. Yeah, I see. It seems to be a very common theme that it takes outside intervention to get kids out of that place. Oh, yeah. And, like, my sister had kept everything, and my mom had kept, like, she was smooth. Like, she had one of the old-time voice recorders that had the little cassette tapes, and she recorded every phone call between her and my aunt, her and my sister, um, her and the people from the ranch, and she kept all of it because she was like, look, I will take this to the cops. Yeah. And, um... When I found out I was getting released, I talked to Miss Jamie. Matter of fact, me and her cried. Like, she was bawling her eyes out because she was so happy that, you know, I was getting to go home. And I was crying. I was like, well, I want to see, you know, Peter and Sandy and some other people before I leave. Kind of like, thank you. Yes. Thank you for bringing that beacon of light. Yeah. Beacon of hope. Because when you're released. You have, like, the overwhelming sense of joy, but then at the same time, you're like, all of these kids that are still there. Yeah. And oh, that yeah. hits you. And then you feel guilty because you're getting discharged. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, I need to tell the actual staff that was nice. Thank you and stuff like that, you know. You go through all of the emotions. Yeah. And I went, I remember I went up to the office. And the guy that was a psychiatrist there was supposed to be a caseworker, what I don't even know. Um, When he signed my discharge papers, he gave me a hug. And Christy, I think that was her name, gave me a hug. And she was like, we don't want to see you back here. It was just, you know, like, look, don't ever come back to this place because of how bad it is. Yeah, like, do not put yourself through this again. Yeah, and I walked out, and Miss Jamie was like, we're going to meet up and eat Chinese food. And I'm like, okay. Like, I went out to eat with her a couple times after I'd gotten out. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, we'd meet up and eat Chinese or, you know, just meet up at a park somewhere. And she would tell me kind of how the ranch is still the ranch. And I'd tell yeah. her how my stuff was going. Um. Yeah, and I was like, I kept in touch with some of the girls, too, throughout the years. Yeah. But. Social media uh, has made that a lot easier. I found a lot of people from the ranch that way. Oh, yeah. Like, everybody has Facebook. Yeah, right. And what, and kind of like whenever, you know, Sammy got in touch with me, I was like, hold on. How does my sister know about this before I know about it? Like, that was my first question to myself, because I guess it affected more than just me being there. To know that after 21 years of being there, my sister's like, hey, look, here's my sister's information. She was there. 
you know, and it it did. It caused everything that I went through there um, caused a lot of long term problems. Yeah. And, and there's a lot, you know, everything's in the past. Well, it's not when a place like that scars you right. that bad. You get PTSD. It's it's a transformative experience. I mean, yeah. When I came out of that place, I was so prone to violence. Like I was, it it completely changed my mindset. Like the people that I was friends with before I went in, I could tell they were uncomfortable around me because of how prone to violence I was after being in that place. Because that's all it ever was. It was it was always. It became the normal. It was fighting. It was staff attacking people, attacking you, and you became desensitized to it in a way. And yeah, and it just. I mean, it, it, it's truly a transformative experience, and it's it was depressing. And I always, I've always wanted to do something about it. I've always wanted to come forward and just, I'm like, but I never knew how. Like, I'm like, I passed the statute of limitations for abuse. I can't get a lawyer for this. What do I do? And uh, then I, I get in touch with Sammy, and Sammy, she is a private investigator. And, and and I just happened to find it. I searched online. I said something like Lord's Ranch, the survivors of the Lord's Ranch. I see there's only like yeah. 11 people in the group. And the last post is like two years ago. And I was like, great. There, this, this is like a dead group. But I asked to join anyways. I immediately get a message from Sammy. And I start talking to her. And she starts telling me all these things that I had never heard. Like, I always assume that the boys had it worse than the girls because I figured there's no way that they are as violent with the girls as they are with us because they are really violent. And what I found, what I realized after all of these interviews, that the girls had it worse than the guys because not only were they experiencing the violence, but they had to worry about sexual assault from staff members. So, and, and you mentioned that there were girls that were doing sexual things for staff members to get on their good side. Do you know what was going, like, where they were going and what they were doing? Do you know any specifics? Um, they would be pulled out of class. They would be pulled out of church. So we really didn't know anything unless one of the girls flipped up and said something. But there was, like, all sex going on, regular sex. It was just, like... A free-for-all, pretty much. Wow. And if you were sexually assaulted and you spoke out, like, when you got out, you were threatened. My mom had the cops at my house when I got out. And we were trying to push forward with the lawsuit, and um, Ted threatened her and threatened me, and she ended up dropping it because it was getting all too much, and I was Getting weaned off the meds when and he, was going through a depression, you know, for being there. So when he threatened you, do you know what his exact words were? Like, did he call you guys? Did he, I assume he didn't email he, you or anything, but. He would call, he would tell my mom he knew our address and he knew where family lived at. Um, she didn't wow. tell me like a lot of the specifics because there was some stuff she kind of just kept to herself. So I wouldn't be, you know, scared about it. But I often thought about, you know, playing a little game and going down there because they would have guest speakers come in that speaking 
and been like, look, if this is going on, y'all need to speak out and tell the staff, hey, look, it's your duty to report this. It's a yeah. state law. Did I tell you I went back there? Why? I was, um, I just kept thinking about that place. I was having dreams about it. And I started finding everybody online and it was Christmas time and I still lived in Alaska. So this was like, uh, maybe like four years ago, something like that. And, uh, I fly down to Georgia to, uh, see my, my, my sister and my brother-in-law and have Christmas with them. And I brought my girlfriend and, uh, and then my brother lives in Missouri, and he was down there too. Well, I was going to road trip up to Missouri and stay at his place and see some of the people I knew in St. Louis and stuff. And uh, I I had it planned out. I was like, I'm going to go back to that place and just just look at it. I don't know why. I just wanted to. I just, just there was just something drawing me to it. Like I just I I just haven't been able to forget that place. So I went. I drove. I I. I Put it in Google Maps. I went down Old Burr. I drove up to where the cafeteria was. And I turned around, came back, parked in that parking lot right across from the church. And it's pouring down rain. Like, I almost wrecked going back there because it was so bad. And uh, Yeah, there are all potholes and everything. Yeah, well, and there's no sh- shoulder. I mean, it was these narrow, windy roads. Yeah. It, was, it was bad. And uh, and it's a car rental, so I'm not even used to driving this car. But uh, Ted Soul's wife pulls up in a truck and asks me what I'm doing. I go, oh, hi, I'm uh, I'm actually trying to get to Missouri and I'm lost and, and I, I have no service. My Google Maps, I just made this BS excuse. And she's like, oh, well, this is what you do to get out. Blah, blah. And she like, gave me directions. I was like, oh, well, thank you so much. She's like, yeah, this is actually private property. I go, oh, no, I, I had no idea. As if I didn't spend 11 months there when I was a kid. But I knew there'd be no way she'd recognize me. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I just I just went there. Yeah, it's just this crappy place. It's <laughs> just this miserable place. So, but, uh, well, is is there um is there anything else that you think that I should know about your stay there? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, that's all it was, was like church and violent and the females hooking up, you know, with male staff or being forced into relationships with them. Yeah, and, and then sexual molestation, yeah, being drugged up. Assaults and shoe restriction and, you know, the wall. There was honestly nothing good about that place besides certain staff because that place was just diminished. Where was the where were the staff members having sex with girls? Do you know? That I can't ever figure that out and I swear if um my friend I was telling you about that lives, you know, around me, she really doesn't talk to anybody anymore. She kinda says herself. She was there a long time before I got there. And if I could get a hold of her, I'm betting you she would tell me everything. Yeah, well, if you can, that'd be great. And, you know, uh, if you know, if if you have an idea of where she lives, I've been posting ads and I can choose the demographic of who's going to see the ads. So I flooded Arkansas with all these ads, any ad that I could do. I get a lot of them rejected by Facebook because I'm talking a lot of shit. But um, I can get ads on there saying that, you know. I can honestly tell you, like, I know her from back then. 
but the creepy part is her cousin got with my cousin, and they were together for like seven or eight years. Oh, really? Oh, I can find out exactly where she's at and how to get out of her. So, now let's, and this is kind of, I guess we'll steer away. I mean, but yeah, I mean, if you want to, if you can get in touch with her, I, I am literally willing to talk to anybody. I, I, I all the more information, the better. But, um, what I'm curious, I, I want to hear from the, like the staff that thought that was okay. I want to know what was going through their mind. I want to know if that was them acting on their own behalf. Or if that was them acting that way because they were pretty much made to act that way. I am trying to reach out to staff members. I wrote a message to Tyree Davis. I wrote a message to Jan. I wrote a message to Stan Jackson. And I've been trying to get them, and none of them will respond. And I don't know how to find Ted. But um, Other than Jan's husband that wants to argue with everybody. We come from broken homes already. Right, exactly. So, and, and then, and then they just they just break you down more, and then say that you're not ready to leave. And, yeah, and, and you're, like, you're not you're not fixing anything. This is I'm I'm here for healing, and you guys are just beating me down. You guys are just pummeling us and expecting us to become. I was gonna say ordained minister, but you're actually an ordained minister. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, you get what I'm saying, though. They expect us to like what become like the the valedic valedictorian at our school or something afterwards. I'm like, dude, you guys are making things worse. That you you've made things infinitely worse on us. And what they taught me was how to become Joel Osteen and use the church as tax write off. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And they have a new name for the place right now. I uh, Sammy found it. Um, let me see if I can find it. I, I heard it was called Trinity. It used to be called Trinity, but then they shut it down when Ted got arrested. And now it has a new name. Uh, and and uh, that's why I think they're trying to reopen the place. Uh, hang on. I got the name in here. Okay, here it yeah. is right here. The Bearer's Light Minister is what it's called. And, uh, and this is annual weird. annual revenue forty one thousand industry religious organization. And since religious or- organizations don't have to pay taxes, that's how they're hanging on to this place. But then they're going to get Sarah Huckabee as the governor instead of Mike Huckabee. So you have so before it was Bud Soul and Mike Huckabee. Now it's going to be Ted Soul and Sarah Huckabee. And then you're going to have Randy Barber. He's going to be uh, the Randolph County judge. They're both projected to win. I think they're moving the chess pieces so they can reopen this place. That's that's what I think. Probably. And they might have they might have a lot of trouble doing that. But when you have the right people in power that have your back, you can get stuff done. Right. I mean, look, they shouldn't. This guy should be in jail for life for all the stuff that he's done. But he's gotten away. They've gotten away with this stuff for fifty years. I mean, it's and that's that's why I'm like, fuck this. I'm. I'm doing something. And I'll tell you why they got away with it. Where we live at is straight up Bible built. Yeah. Built. That makes sense. There is anything to do with Christianity and healing. They're going to jump all over it. Right. They believe it. Well, I grew up in a home like that, too. My mom was a Christian. That's why she she was excited about me going there. Then she realized what kind of place it really was. 
And, uh, and she was like, what? Like, cause my dad, my dad actually joined a cult when I was a kid. And then my mom wanted to be a Christian. So it was like this weird dynamic where like sometimes we'd go to his weird cult church called Swedenborg, which is like a guy who, uh, did these writings in like the 1600s. I think he was schizophrenic himself. And, uh, he said that he would like be able to fly to like, at the heavens when he would sleep and talk with God and, and get, and basically rewrite the Bible and, in, in, in his own words, the guy was just, you know, delusional, but you know, so was my dad yeah. and he fell into it. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, I've been exposed to a lot of weird religious stuff. That's but, like, uh, that reminds me of black mass on Netflix. Black mass. Want- yes. Is that, is it like a cult? It's, um, oh gosh, this preacher comes to town and all of these people start following him and doing as they're told, but honestly, it's like he's some type of demon and he's preaching the word and it's, it's just really weird. Is it a documentary? Is it a documentary or is it a, or is it a, uh, just a uh, show? It's a show. Oh, oh, okay, okay. And I'm like, wow, because this stuff really does happen. I think that's where they're getting all these spinoffs on there. Oh yeah, this stuff. Ha- and and <laughs> I mean, stranger than fiction. I mean, that's what the Lord's Ranch was. And uh, yeah. so I think, I think we, I think we have something here. Um, I'm going to continue to work off of that Facebook page, uh, and. Uh, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk to somebody in the media about it. I've already reached out to some of the um, some of the Arkansas media, and uh, they said they told me if you find anything, they said we've covered the Lord's Ranch. If you find anything new, let me know. And the new stuff, I was like, well, I found out. I just wrote them and told them I found out stuff about Trinity, uh, like cause I know this one, the kid who got his uh, teeth smashed. Uh, yeah. and, uh, so, you know, I was writing them and seeing if they'd say anything back. I haven't heard anything yet, but I'm trying to get the media to cover this. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to get a hold of Marlo too, because I was like, well, instead of emailing him, I'm just going to call him because he's like California time because that's where he lives at and, uh, give him the rundown on everything. If you tell him what you went through alone, I mean, that's going to be story worthy and then tell him. Tell them what's going on, that there is a bunch of former residents that are gathering on Facebook and they're they're making a podcast about it. People are being interviewed, say you were interviewed, and and the people are wanting something done. And yeah. explain why. You know, the there's sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental torment. I mean, this place broke all these laws, separation of church and state, all the stuff that they did wrong. And, and I know he's going to, like, want me to email him some stuff. That's why I was like, okay, well, I have y'all's email and I have, you know, your phone number. I'm going to send him a link to the Facebook group um, so he can kind of check it out because, you know, he'll probably want to talk to you and Sammy before running it and have, like, the documentations and stuff, which you can Google the Lord's Ranch and you can Google Ted and there's a lot there. Yeah, if you look up Arkansas uh, Times and uh, the Lord's Ranch, there they the Arkansas Times, I think that's their name. They they covered the Lord's Ranch pretty extensively, and it was never positive. 
<laughs> so they did. Oh, no. I don't think I've heard anything positive because I Googled it whenever Ted got out of prison because nobody knew. Like, I was tripping. Oh, yeah. And, there was a staff member. He told me he actually cried when he found out yeah. he got out. People were that upset because this guy, I mean, he's a monster. But he just had. He really you know, is. And my husband, he's just well connected. Like, why are you mad? Because somebody got out of prison. And I kind of explained a little bit to him on who he was. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, like. He got it then, like it clicked. And I remember I called my, you know, my aunt that I'm really close to. And I was like, dude, that let him out of prison. And she was like, why? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. You know, like, we, it was a family discussion, but we discussed it kind of silently. Like, right now, the fun aunt I was telling you about, mm-hmm. um, she tried to call. And, of course, I'm not, like, after her going off on me today. I was like, I'm not even answering that. So she sent me a message on Facebook and she was like, you better not be doing that podcast. You better not mention anything um, about what went on because all that's going to do is make the family look bad. It's not going to make what, what your family. Oh yeah. No. You know how many victims I, there are? The, the families are make, victims too. Bud was yeah, a con like, artist. To make our family look bad. Let her know. I mean, it's like there are thousands of kids who went there. Courts systems sent kids there. It wasn't just her. I mean, you you can't blame yourself for something like that. That you you there's no way of knowing. She would have had no way of knowing. I, I've I've put myself front and center. Like if you want to target, you can see my big ass grin on there. On the, go ahead and come for me. That's the way I see it. I'm, I'm, I just decided, like, I, they, those, those people bullied me as a kid. They're not going to bully me as a fucking adult. I'm not going to put up with it. I'm going to come back and, oh. I'm, and I'm going to make this right, or at least I'm going to try. And I think and that, that's, and, 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 and that's and what we do. And everybody that's you know, came out you know? in that group, you know, it's like reading the stories. You know you're not alone. Yes, and you know that there are other people that still suffering from stuff from back then. Like I'm not gonna lie, I got out, um, and I was bullied in school when I got out because of the white gang, yeah, and because I was on all the pills and stuff, right, and everything else, and that ended up I quit. Like I quit and got my GED. Yeah, but it, it I dealt with anorexia after that and oh, bulimia yeah that's what yeah. that's why my dad didn't take his medication because of the weight gain i mean that yeah. that was that was why he stopped taking his medication when for his schizophrenia and because he would gain a bunch of weight nobody wants to gain weight like they need to find something that's gonna help people but not make them overweight i mean exactly but uh i mean I, I don't know for for me seeing this page and seeing all these people come forward from all these different generations that were there, it's, it, it's, it's, I get a sense of validation. Like, I'm not the only one, you know? Cause, yeah. You, you and feel why alone. wasn't it down? Why didn't, I mean, I'm sure there was staff that did reach out to the authorities, you know, because they were reaching out to our parents for us. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure some of them were. I was, I, I wanted people to. 
I know I wanted people to. I don't, I never got it out though. I mean, well, I had to do it on my own, and you know, it was just really hard to know who to trust. These those, I mean, I just didn't know who I could trust there, so I didn't trust anybody. But you know, I mean, it's it's so validating to see all these other people come forward, and then when the ranch people come in there, they're trying to hide their faces and and they're trying to argue and they're just like terrible about it, and and they can't deny all the stuff that I'm accusing them of, and they won't even say anything about it. They just pretend I didn't say it. Defend anything. Say what? They don't even defend anything. No, they can't. They can't. Certainly not publicly. And and they know they know what they've done. And now it's just they're scared. They're absolutely scared because of what they've done. And uh, you know, I think this is a good thing. I think we're not only are we we're doing something that I think will give a lot of people who went to that place closure. But I think that we can help a lot of future kids for in these facilities because this stuff happens all over the country. Not every facility is like this. We, we both know that. We've been to multiple facilities. We know some facilities are not like that. And if we can get certain guidelines put in place, uh, you know, and, and we wrote out some. We wrote out some ideas of what we could have. And uh, that's what we're going to include in that uh auto-populated letter that they can send to their, you know, local governor and stuff. And, uh, you know, I think, I really think we can make a difference, but it's, it's strength in numbers. And that's what we're building right now is numbers. And, and, and if more people knew about this, that's the thing. People don't know about that. This true crime podcast girl talk reached out to me and she's like, how have I never heard this story? I'm like, because they're trying to hide it from everybody. They threaten people into silence. And we decided not to be threatened. And everyone's starting to feel comfortable and come forward and say, yeah, that happened to me. This happened to me. Here's what they did. Well, I appreciate the time that you took to sit here and talk with me. It's been about the, we're going on about three hours. So we had a nice, good, long chat. Um, is there is there anything else you wanted to say before we get off here? Or are you, are you uh, good to go? I'm good to go. I'm going to um, get a hold of Marlo and everything and okay. uh, tell him what's going on and let him know about the group and let him know about everything coming, you know, everybody coming forward and stuff. Yeah. And um, if he's, see, if he's interested in picking up the story, Jane, you know. And, and thank you so much. There, thank you so much for coming on here, by the way, and just, just telling your story. You know, I, I that takes a lot of courage. People don't realize that until they've been in the experience that you've been in. They're ashamed. And anxiety from it. And especially and when you're getting death threats and everything else. I mean, this is, I mean, it's horrible. I cried. I cried. Whenever I watched one of the videos that was uploaded and it had the pictures. Yeah. I sat on and I bawled my eyes out. And it, like. You can't prepare yourself for something like that because, like, everything floods back. Yeah, it just it all comes back to you. Yeah, and it's flashbacks. And after trying, you know, everybody trying to tell their stories to their families, and some of their families not believing what went on there and thinking it was an over exaggeration and things like that. It doesn't sound real. I mean, what a guy who played in the NFL was there that threatened you? Really? Yes. That happened. 
Like, and, and people, they just, they can't grasp it. People can't grasp that there are places like that because they never been to them. But once you're there and that's the strength in numbers that we're going to have. And these, all these stories, there's so many similarities. It was a pattern. They did this for years and they got away with it so far, so far they got away with it. And I think it's time that we do something about it. So, um, you know, uh, this chat has me, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm feeling somber about all the horrible things that happened, but I'm also excited about the prospect of what we can accomplish. On the next episode of what really happened at the Lord's Ranch, we'll provide yet another witness to the atrocities at that facility, and more brainwashed cult members will squirm, deny, or make excuses to the allegations. Stay tuned. We'd like to thank Justin Andrus Sr., a.k.a. Crew L.A., Black Tuba, for all the music he made on this podcast. He's talented, so if you want to reach out to him, we'll put a link to his social media in the description box. We'd also like to thank Gnostic Concepts for their original artwork and animations. Their commissions page is open to an array of requests, ranging from original character concepts to detailed wide-scale scenery. So if you're interested in receiving a service from them, a link to their social media will be provided in the description box as well. For everybody who took time out of their day to help make this podcast a reality, we want to thank all of you. Without each and every one of you, none of this would be possible. Let justice be served, though the heavens may fall. It's never too late to right another wrong. We'd also like to dedicate this podcast to Deanna Fields. Rest easy, D. You'll always be missed and never be forgotten.